0: The things I actually wanted, which to be shallow in a sense when I was younger, was the fancy car, was the big house, was to, in a sense, relax for six months out of the year at the age of 30.
1: Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a
0: newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey.
2: Hey investors! It is Sarah Larby, and welcome back to another episode of Where Should I Invest. This episode is a special episode because a little while ago, my friend Sarah Eder, who was recently featured on my podcast, her and I decided to do a couple segments, a couple interviews, where we're interviewing other really successful millennials and millennials that are investing in the business and. The guest that we have today, and you'll hear her and I will kind of share questions and and ask our guests a few different questions. Brandon Williams is our guest today, and he is 27 years old. He is a real estate investor who started his journey, and his first project while working 10-hour days was a flip in Brampton, and he is going to tell us the story about how he started that, how he ran out of money during the middle of the flip, but he was able to sell it and you guys will hear about that but it is nice to feature different people of all ages right i mean there's never too early it's never too late to start investing in real estate and at the end of the day real estate is one of those things like it is not a get rich thing it's not a get rich quick piece or game however you want to call it it is going to be a slow game, but it is one of the surest ways to make your dreams happen and change your life and change your financial future because of all of the different ways that you can actually make money through real estate investing. So we're going to talk to Brandon. And guys, if you enjoy the podcast, if you have actually also specific requests of different guests that you would like to have or hear on the podcast or if you are thinking hey you know i've got a cool story i'd love to be on the podcast reach out to me sarah at sarah or go to my website the contacts me page there and the website is saralarby.com so guys i really hope that you enjoy this episode with brandon williams and thank you for listening hey guys it's sarah larby and sarah Etter. Welcome back. So today with us is Brandon Williams and Brandon is a millennial. He is 27 years old and he is an entrepreneur and he started through real estate and back in the day he was working 10 hours a day. His first project was actually a flip in Brampton and in the middle of it, he ran out of money. But he did what needed to be done to get it done and was able to get a profit. And after that, he did a little bit of consulting, and currently, he's actually a contractor and helping others. So welcome, Brandon, to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
2: Awesome. We're excited to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
0: To start, I'm from Jamaica originally, born and raised. Came here in Canada when I was 13 years old. Now I'm 27. I live in Brampton now with my wife. No children yet to come currently a contractor more focusing on project management for my clients in the construction field specializing in framing and carpentry my skill set and my team skill set and everything else is basically subcontract or worked up with each client
2: you're an entrepreneur correct yep so why didn't you choose the regular nine to five job standing for just over broke why did you decide to do your own thing
0: I did do that out of school. When I finished college, I had something called student loan debt. And I had to pay that off immediately. So I was fortunate to get a a job in my field. My background is in architecture and project management. I have a degree in architecture and project management. That led me into the construction industry. My first job was a project coordinator for a restoration company. So basically restoring homes from fire damage, flood damage, wind damage even. And how the things work there was literally, here's 10 files, go and figure them out. So each file will look simple as here's an address, here's the report and the damage, here's some pictures. I have to go through them, assess them, and get all of them done within a certain budget, as well as make sure the company made profit and contractors were still able to get paid and get a job done. So that literally looks like 10 to 20 damaged homes, whether they had a flood in their basement, or their fireplace burnt down their whole living room. And even one case, the entire house was burnt down. And I had to get them all done simultaneously. So that's a little bit of my construction background. And that literally was 10, 12-hour days. So not even 9 to 5. Just wake up, go eat, go back to sleep, start over. So I got tired of that real quick. Literally within seven months, I was burnt out quickly. I went to... The Toronto franchise show, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was either 2014. Yeah, it must have been 2014. Now that I'm backtracking. And trying to look for a franchise, a side hustle, side business I could invest my money into. But nothing was appealing. I did not like the food industry. So buying a McDonald's or Tim Morton's, Booster Juice, whatever was there, was one, too expensive, and two, wasn't that interesting. However, during that show, there was a booth that had a real estate seminar, like a quick spiel on real estate. And they were discussing the same thing, which was buy a franchise or invest your money in real estate. And they're comparing the two in terms of return on money, ROI. So that led me to investigate more into the the real estate world. And then I realized you could make money, more money, investing in real estate rather than doing what I was doing 12 hours a day. And at the time, I was only making like literally $40,000 a year, which wasn't much, but it was a good start. But yeah, I did the math in my head add up real quickly at yeah, that from there.
1: That's amazing. So was there like tipping point for you that made you take like that leap into real estate for good? Like, is there a story behind that? Or did you just do your first flip? How did that get started?
0: Um, to tell the truth, I don't know what it was. Something just kept on bugging me like I should just do it i literally knew nothing the only thing i knew about real estate was my dad's house that i was staying in what he did was without explaining anything to me he finished the basement rented it out to great tenants actually the only thing i learned from that was make sure i stay quiet on the main floor i didn't realize <laughs> what he was actually doing because he didn't actually explain to me uh, other than you know, those extra money power of leveraging your own ho- home or house hacking if you ever heard that term before Right. And then from there, he actually bought a property in the States, Ohio. I can't remember exactly where in Ohio, Um, but simply put, don't invest in Ohio, at least not right now, where he had a decent tenant. But as soon as the tenant left, they broke into the home and gutted the place for the copper. So that left a bad taste in his mouth and our mouth because we had to go help fix it up and, you know, basically get it sold. So if what I'm Getting at is it was in my family background initially, but it was never explained to me. The seminar kind of opened my eyes. I was like, oh, that's what my dad's doing. And then from there, I just reached out to real estate agents. I didn't use my dad's agent, I just said, I'll figure out my own, being the smart 20 something year old. I can figure this out. And the first agent took me for a bit of a ride, just tried to sell me literally a garbage dump. Long and short is, I went through the process of um, educating myself. So I bought few books you probably heard it before like rich dad poor dad millionaire investor the one thing from there trying to figure out okay what is i'm supposed to do and how do i get this done this was in 2015 so around january february 2015
2: how old were you in 2015
0: i was three years ago in 2015 i was 23 24 or trying that, that year of turning over
2: so did your friends think that you were crazy when you wanted to do this at 23, 24?
0: Not really. I didn't tell much of my friends. So most of my friends have a similar mindset, but I was okay. the only one that was more eager. Everyone was complaining, yeah, I'm tired of my job. We got all this debt. We're not making, and we're all just finishing school, mind you. We're already <laughs> upset already. But-
2: so what do you think is the difference? So why did you have the drive to do something out of the box while some millennials might wish that they could, but they don't take action. Like, what do you think that makes you, you? And maybe we can share that with the other millennials out there because maybe they can take some of that advice as well.
0: You know what? It could be the fact that I'm from Jamaica. So growing up there, it's a very competitive market, literally. Everything from when I was in school as a little kid, like from five years old, up to grade six everything was get good grades make sure you're the top student i played soccer as well just at a very competitive level for my age for a team that just kept on winning trophies too so it was always a high demand for us to win as well as make sure i had good grades and there if you didn't have good grades you won't get into the best schools if you didn't get into the best schools you won't get a job so that was always drilled in from literally grade three
2: and who drilled that in so was this my mom um, yeah, I was going to yeah. say like sometimes because I mean, in Jamaica or Canada or any country, there's going to be some people that have it that are just going to keep going and pushing themselves. And sometimes it comes from family. Sometimes it comes from a story or something that happened to you when you were younger, like I am for sure going to do something with my life because I can't ever go back to whatever it is. And yeah, was, Like an experience for you specifically. <laughs>
0: I had to go back to my childhood, just that. Just Mm -hmm. always making sure that I was the best, if not at least playing with the best, literally. And figuratively speaking, my parents would drill into me, hey, we're sending you to a a pretty costly school. I went to a private school while I was there. So I better show up something for it. And then that transition to here, the funny thing is it was actually easier coming here because I was one... I, a grade ahead, and two, the education system during the transition just felt easier. So mm-hmm. f- from there, having a competitive nature from young followed me all the way through middle school, high school, college, even into the working world. I would, when even I had 20 files on my desk, I would try to race to see how fast I could get them completed just to get 10 more added on. But that was just kind of the nature I had. So amongst my peers, I would say I was always the first one to get things done from buying my first property to leaving my job to be, being an entrepreneur to the first one to buy all these books you see behind me to just and know, share all the information. To,
2: I was trying to see I'm like which one? Ones?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have um, millionaire investor, pumpkin plan, real estate, millionaire real estate agent, The One Thing, The Habit. Uh, etc probably all the top books you've you've heard amongst other podcasts Mm
2: -hmm. so reading and educating yourself is important
0: yes yes and it's very important because without these tools I wouldn't know what direction to look in to be honest yes I can talk to peers I can talk to others or I can watch your podcast and learn but if you don't equip yourself with tools you can refer to on a regular basis the drive will disappear and then you won't know what to do next for me it was just more, I have a student when I want to get paid off. I wanted to just grow up maybe too fast. I wanted to have a house. I wanted to have a family quickly. But I did the math. and I was like, I was not going to get ahead <laughs> making 40 grand a year. Mm-hmm. But the things I actually wanted, which to be shallow in a sense when I was younger, was the fancy car, was the big house, was to, in a sense, relax for six months out of the year at the age of 30 which I have three more years to go. I'm not there yet. So in a sense, almost my own laziness too, because I know at some point I'm going to be like, oh, I can't be bothered and just give in to the the system.
1: Yeah, no, that's incredible. I know like so many millennials get stuck. Like it sounds like you definitely have the skill set and the work ethic that was allowed you to take that leap. What would you say was something important for you to get over like that fear of say like quitting your job and doing real estate for like full time? Because I know that's, Everyone talks about wanting to do it, but the reality is a lot different.
0: So how do I transition to quitting my job and getting this done?
1: Yeah, I just, but you know, I that, yeah, like biting the bullet and actually kind of giving up the stability of like a regular paycheck.
0: To be honest, it was going to kill me. No joke. So from the restoration company, I've, I've, I've left there due to downsizing, to be honest. They were sp- cutting staff, I'm not sure why, but I was one of the ones that got cut, and I've tried consulting, that didn't work out, because I thought I knew everything, because I read one book, but it quickly didn't work out, so I went back into the rat race, and uh, stick, stuck to what I, I knew, which was renovation and construction. I worked at a hospital in Toronto, um, so in a sense, more corporate, and it was more project management. Once again, instead of giving me the project manager title, it gave me project coordinator title. Either way, while I was there, it was a lot of stress and an environment that is way different from restoration and a typical home construction. It was more corporate world, more structure and more political, which was something I didn't learn and probably to this day I haven't learned yet. So trying to swim amongst el- literally elderly sharks, if that's a term. <laughs> that are in this political structure and system ingrained in them for years. And I'm just 26, 20, yeah, 26 at this point, trying to figure out, okay, how do I make a name for myself and how, how do I get ahead? But then I realized that's not really what I want. I, didn't, I don't want what these people want. I quickly almost adapted to the environment, so to speak, which is try to get ahead, try to make a name for yourself, you know, work hard, keep your head down. And that led to once again 10, 11 hours admin work of paperwork, not actual on-site construction work, which I preferred more. It came to the point where it was so stressful that, funny enough, I work at a hospital. I was working at a hospital. I was hospitalized. My manager saw me just kind of breaking down, hur- hurled over a garbage can. I was like, "Hey, good, go to the ER." And the doctor literally just simply put, hey, look, you're under a lot of stress. You need to learn stress management. And I didn't. didn't, At least I wasn't coping well, at least in that environment, because before I was, um, in a sense, I felt like a rock star when I was doing 20 projects at the same time. But in political, structural, corporate world environment, it just didn't work for me. So I, I had to get out. I didn't actually have a choice because I probably would have collapsed. I probably would have who knows, got a stroke, whatever the case may be.
2: Wow. So let's fast forward a little bit yeah. to today. So today you're a contractor. Yeah. And you work for yourself? Yes, I do. Okay, so how how does that work right now? Like, How are you getting customers? How are you getting your name out there? And how many hours are you working currently?
0: <laughs> Funny enough, at the highest point when I quit my job and did this full time was 16 hours a day. It was literally wake up, go. Keep going and come back. Go to sleep. So before I quit the construction world, at least for where I am in the in Toronto and Brampton, it's it's relatively small. Even Mississauga, you quickly learn all the competitors in the space that are doing home renovations, basement renovations. If that's their niche, or whatever the case may be. Either way, what what I did was um, I targeted all my contacts and just said, hey, I want to do this, I want to do it as a project manager, and I do have some skill in carpentry, from helping my dad build his basement, et cetera, and uh, doing odd jobs here and there, being on site a lot, which I was used to. So I basically linked up with some fellow subcontractors as the first guys that would work with me, and then I linked up with other project managers that have projects, that would be issuing them out. So I just literally made calls to every business card I've collected over the three years, well, four years, and whoever actually answered the phone, I just gave them my quick pitch, and a couple returned my call. A couple wanted to work with me. A guy I used to work with a couple years ago gave me a call back and said, hey, I need you to do a project for me quickly. He's in a a little pinch. The only catch is it's all the way in Gravenhurst, Muskoka." So I was like... (laughs) Why not? Sure. (laughs) Went out there. It was just a deck job. Wasn't too complicated. Got it done. Happy with it. Gave me another job in the middle of that one to take a look at. I priced it. I got that one done too afterwards. And then things just kind of snowballed with me and him and we kept the work coming. And I kept on just making sure that the jobs were done on time and at least to the quality and standard that he wanted and his customers wanted. So I'm his subcontractor, so to speak. And that's how I got started. Where should I invest? With your host, Sarah Larvey, We'll be right back.
2: Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard work with a mortgage broker they are going to help you scale and when i was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property i was going directly to the bank then i hadn't met dahlia yet and i actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25 percent as the down payment and then for my third property they wanted 35 percent And it was really, really hard for me to, A, understand why it was creeping up like that, and B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she works with many, many investors. And she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, but I've got nine properties now and I'm still able to get financing with A-lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis it was a game changer for me and it allowed me to actually understand what i needed to do how many properties i was going to get because of the cash flow that i was looking for if you guys wanted to reach out to dahlia you can reach out to her by email which is info at streetwisemortgages.com or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com and then just go to the contact section And you can also call her at 1-800-208-6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show.
1: Back to the show. Where should I invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host,
0: Sarah Larvey. My name from there... His family um, saw the work I was doing for him, and it turns out they're in the construction space too. So then they start calling me to do some projects for them, and this is all within four months' time. I quit in May, which was my birth month, and now it's September, and we're still going strong. So from his brother to his other brother to his dad, they just kind of shared me around uh, so far. <laughs> we probably yeah.
2: could have used you for our flip. We just finished. Yeah,
0: probably it would have been great. Have, yeah.
2: <laughs> We had, uh, it started off well and then it kinda, there would be some good ups and downs and some funny stories and definitely some things that you guys will see on the YouTube channel soon to come. So Brandon, what do you think your competitive advantage is? Like why are people reaching out to you, passing a referral on to give you another job? What's what's your advantage that others might not have?
0: Um, I'm not sure if it's an advantage, but literally it's just always a positive attitude And just making sure I don't leave until the customer is happy. I don't care if I'm there from 8 a.m. until 9 p.m. And that has happened for one of my projects. Staying there on site, making sure things are going well, running, grabbing material, cleaning up, making sure the site looks presentable, whatever it may be. Even when the customer tells me 10 times in a row, you know what, this doesn't look right or I'm still not satisfied with this, even though I know they're just kind of pushing me a little bit to be polite. I just smile and I said, okay, no problem. Now, I don't advise that to everyone because <laughs> you will lose money that way. I've lost at least $3,000 because of that reason. But knowing that goes a far away, that they're going to call me back. They're going to give me something else. So I'll make it up later on. It may not work for every field but or every customer because some people will take advantage of you for sure. But just doing going the extra mile for people, I think is what put me in this position where me getting referrals isn't a challenge for me. Currently, the past two months, I haven't put out an ad. Matter of fact, I still haven't put out an ad yet, to say the least.
1: Yeah. Well, I know like Sarah and I have a lot of experience with contractors not making us happy at the end of the day, even after we pointed out a lot of imperfections. So I think like that's an amazing attitude to have and an amazing work ethic. And I'm sure it'll continue to get you like wonderful referrals. Cause it is tough to find contractors like you for sure. So what would you say your next big plans are? Like what, what's your plan for your company for the next year, the next five years? Do you want to share some of your goals with us?
0: Yes, the vision is actually to be a project management firm, so still be in construction, but instead of me being hands-on as I am now, I'll st- take a step back a bit. So hire some carpenters, hire some project coordinators just to be under the belt and to grow a little bit. But it will all be working from home. I don't think I'll probably take on the overhead of an office. Yeah. And then the next component to it is that I am an investor, or at least I I'm, I want, that's my next thing I had for the next year is to buy another property to either flip or to hold. If it's a flip, it's just more so I can grow my capital. If it's a hold, it's most likely a very great deal that I probably uh, want to hold on for the longer term so i'll have two tiers to the business which is basically steward investing and steward construction a company name right now is steward ventures which is the, the name we're running with right now and the next five years from now basically hopefully it would look like a small team of carpenters and an investing team to basically buy property and to just continue with construction projects, maybe move from residential to commercial, but that's probably five years later.
2: Very cool. So right. I mean, I will say that you have a lot of drive and a lot of determination and here's a question you don't have to tell me exactly yes or no. Well, I mean, maybe you can say yes or no, but mm-hmm. now that looking back at it when you were making $40,000 a year, Are you in a better position now that you're working for yourself?
0: Say that again? Sorry.
2: Are you making more than $40,000 a year?
0: Right now? I made 40 grand in four months.
2: There you go. (laughs) This is why, guys. This is why you want to be an entrepreneur. Because at the end of the day, working for yourself, you're making yourself rich. And it's not to say that everyone should go and quit their jobs tomorrow. I mean, I still have a full-time job. Sarah still has a full-time job. And you can do the real estate, also full-time potentially, like our hours are pretty (laughs) full-time. But at the end of the day, you are going to be so much better off to work for yourself and to make yourself your own money and not have to always rely on somebody else giving you a paycheck because you never know when those jobs are going to be gone, when you're going to get sick, if you're going to get sick, if you want to travel, if you want to take that freedom back. So it's important to think ahead and Think ahead in the next year, but also the next five years, the next 10 years, where do you want to be? You want to be stuck in the same desk job every day in 10 oh. years from now in the same spot? Probably not. So you got to take the action, right? I mean, look at Brandon. He took the action. He bought some flips, made some money on some flips. He's got his own side gig going with the construction that's now, now a full time gig, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And look at all the books behind you, educated yourself, didn't really have a whole lot of experience in terms of people around him to take him by the hand and guide him. Saw his dad doing a couple of them and he's here at 27, right? So like you started really young, which is awesome. I mean, you start, the younger that you start, the easier it will be.
0: The way better. The only thing I would add to that is for other fellow millennials is that nothing's wrong with getting your first job. What I would say is meet all the people you can meet in that field Mm-hmm. And then leverage the hell out of them as soon as you can. What I would say to myself, even at 24, is basically probably quit properly at 24. I kind of did when I, I hinted to earlier with the little consulting thing, but I should have probably educated myself more and used my contacts even back then. Because even because that's what basically propelled me forward now is the contacts I made from then. I, was, I don't know what it was, maybe because I was feared that, oh, I'm too young. They're not going to listen to me or respect me. You know what? Someone will give you a shot if you did good work to start. The reason I'm mentioning I'm uh, not being too afraid to do your basically work your first year is that you need the experience. You do need to have a group of people around you. Depending on your field, though, I would might add in, in, in construction, yes, for sure. In real estate, for sure, you need to have some contacts and maybe medical field, too. You need to have the contacts and so experience for sure. You wouldn't want a, a dentist who has no experience in your mouth. But outside of that, as soon as you can establish yourself and let people know that you're willing to work whether it's on the side just go out there you can start literally right now I and mean, so easy to start in this day and age too from social media marketing to freelancing yourself on use if you have photoshop skills or whatever the case may be so yeah, that's my little two cents to add to what you said earlier.
1: No, that's amazing. I'm kind of curious about your flip story. You know, you hinted a little bit about running at a capital in the middle, and then you managed to pull a project together. I'm really curious yeah. about how that story turned I'll out. how
0: go? Okay, so <laughs> it's from the beginning, I take it?
1: Sure, go for it. Run us through what happened. So I
0: was 25 four years old three days before my 25th birthday realtor has you know the automated listings that comes to your inbox so one of my morning routine was to literally go through every listing and see if it makes sense so I'd analyze every deal that came in my inbox three days before I saw this deal in Brampton for I think the price at the time was $295 they were asking price I was like whoa perfect my pre-approval was three hundred thousand dollars, so I was like beautiful, perfect um, opportunity so I called my realtor and I said, "Hey, can we go see this tonight?" We went to go see it the same night and then turns out two days later was what do you call that now where everyone has to come at the same time to Well, present- oh, like
1: the offer presentation yeah offer yeah, presentation
0: yeah. so two days later was the offer presentation, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go Turns out eight other people had the same idea. <laughs> So me and my realtor was there saying, oh, great, it's going to be a bidding war. But well, it wasn't even that bad, actually. But being my first bidding war, my first property, is like, oh, goodness. How does any of this even work? Once again, I, there's only so much books are going to tell you. The funny thing is, we all went with our initial offer. I wanted to low-bought it because the house did need work. So we all kind of went in low. But then some people were a little bit above, some were a little under. So realtor came back and said, hey, we got to go at our best price. So I went to, okay, max out my, what I could do. I went to 300, which is only five grand more. But it turns out no one else was going too much higher either. But as everyone's presenting, I got bored. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. And we're outside in a cul-de-sac, a dead-end street, and some kids were playing soccer. They had two hockey nets out. They were kicking a ball around, and that's the sport I was good at. So I started playing with them. <laughs> Literally just out of boredom. I had a soccer ball in the back of my trunk just because I love playing and started juggling. They came over and said, hey, I can join. Went to go play with them. Turns out the homeowner was looking out the window and gave the property to me. Just said he just wanted five grand more. So ended up finalizing on 305000 The guy ahead of me was at 304000 He wanted me to just put 1000 more just because he saw me playing with the kids. That's he figured awesome. that I'm going to be good for the neighborhood. I was like, all right. Like extra thousand more, whatever, signed off. I won the bidding war, three month close, but it doesn't end there. So.
2: No, that's just the beginning. just the, <laughs> beginning. the beginning. So
0: I got my, I thought I had my ducks in a row, had my pre-approval form for 300K in front of me from TD. I was like, okay, great. There's no sweat to it. Just make sure I have my 5% down. My money's in the bank saved. Didn't know where the construction money was going to come from actually. But then a friend of mine said, hey, go before you close, go ask for a line of credit. I did that. And somehow I was I had great credit, had 800 at the time uh, credit score. And they gave me a line of credit of twenty thousand dollars unsecured. Wow. Okay, great. That can do a flip. At least do the construction I was thinking of doing. Two weeks before close, I don't know what happened. The bank said, we're not going to do your deal. Two weeks before close and I got dropped. So I had two weeks to find two hundred and ninety something thousand dollars.
2: Wow. So how did you find it? Did you find it?
0: I freaked out for two days first. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got a mortgage broker who worked night and day trying to figure it out, but we ended up being three days late after close. We got we got a couple threats saying they're gonna sue us late fees everything finally got it the third day i just ignored it the threats because every day was a letter i just ignored it at that <laughs> the third day it's like oh, whatever they can keep my deposit that's the worst they can really do right got it closed though so thank god you know, literally and then after all that stress it was demo day so i was like yes i took out my stress and anger on that <laughs> kitchen that kitchen was ripped out and thrown into a 20 yard <laughs> bin so quickly it wasn't even funny but Throughout the process, it added to my days at work. So I'll do 10 hours during the day. So 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., sometimes 12. So 7 to 6, 7 to 5 was our average day. On Fridays, I'll try to sneak out a little early at 4 and just take my time to work on this flip project. So kitchen, you already know, is a big ticket. But I didn't start in the kitchen. I actually gutted the kitchen and left it gutted. Uh, no one's living there. I was just paying the carrying cost the whole time. But what added up quickly was gutting the bathroom and redoing the bathroom. So that ate up a lot of my money. It's a three bed, one bath, living kitchen and a basement. No garage, just a parking pad. So I wanted to add extra value. So I added an extra bathroom in the basement. Just the plumbing to dig the trench pipe was 2500 Wow. So that almost 10% of my line of credit. And as the money's been eaten up, bought new flooring, new stairs, new baseboards, new baseboard heaters, new doors, I went to the yard. It's a brand new house. The only thing I didn't do is new windows because it was relatively new. Um, but when it take time to come to the kitchen now, my company I was working for decided to downsize. And I was the last one in, so I was the first one out. So they let me go. And fortunately, in Canada, you have something called EI. So I applied for that and I was able to, I don't know if it's recovered, the money I've been paying towards it. I'm not sure how it works, but they paid me 66% of the income I was already making. So that was a, that allowed me to cover my carrying costs, which basically was just the mortgage and the light bill because I wasn't using any water there other than one toilet, just so that guys and me can use a toilet. And then that's when all the trades stopped coming because I can't pay them anymore. So guess who learned how to become a carpenter? <laughs> <laughs> um, right here is a book that literally is called Do It Yourself. Got it from Canadian Entire And the one beside it is from Lowe's. One, two, three, I guess, Home Improvement. Those were my Bible for the next X amount of time that was there, just how to do this, how to do that, and then one of my contractor buddies, you know, talking to them back and forth, said, you know what, they're going to help me out and not charge me for any of the work. He just literally came at odd hours of the evening when he had time, every week and every so often, just to make sure I was doing things properly and right.
2: So Brandon, how long did the total flip take to do?
0: It took three months.
2: Okay, three months, and then you ended up selling it?
0: I ended up selling it, I wanted to rent it, but my realtor didn't listen to me. I actually told him, uh, put it up for sale and rent it the first time and the first one to come I'll consider. Either way, uh, God made it worked out in my favor because when EI stopped issuing checks is the day it was sold, literally the the same day that my uh, money was coming in to carry me through.
2: So how much did you sell it for?
0: I sold it for 390.
2: Okay, wow. so and Sorry,
0: 380,
2: 380. 380.
0: Okay, and how much did you put into it? I put in 30 grand.
2: See people, it is always more than what you plan for. (laughs) Always add like 10 to 20% time and money. I'm telling you, Sarah and I have the exact same problem. (laughs) No matter how good exactly the same. (laughs) But you know, at the end of the day, you know, congratulations that you definitely made some money in your pocket, even after the commission. Because keep in mind, guys, there's a lot of people that don't calculate the selling commission as well as the taxes that you're going to be paying on that
0: property. (laughs) Yes, that is something that eats into your profit as well. But even then, when I saw the check in my name, it was legit a year's salary plus some of profit. Before taxes, mind you, I did not, I forget to calculate the fact that I was gonna get a capital gains tax. But during that (laughs) moment, I was just like, I don't need to work for a whole year but that's when I was a consultant as a a project manager consulting but that quickly failed and ran out of money again but that's the, the real estate story there
2: you know what's really cool is is you learn and you take action on things and even though you come across hurdles you still find a way to overcome them so I will say that you know that is the kind of attitude that you need to be successful
0: for sure it was literally blood literal blood literal sweat and when I got laid off, it was literal tears.
2: <laughs> but you know, it probably tears and joy now that you look back at it and you realize you wouldn't have done all of these if you were in your comfort zone.
0: No, for sure.
2: Cool. So let's uh, let's go on to our lightning round questions. So we have three questions that Sarah and I are going to ask you, mm-hmm. and just come up with the first answer that comes to mind. Just quick, easy answers, thirty seconds. Okay, ready? Okay. All right. Awesome. Lightning round question number one. What is your best millennial life hack advice? So what should all millennials apply today to improve their lives?
0: Actually decide to improve your life. Simple as that. Make the decision and work backwards from there. So if you want to become a millionaire, study millionaires, study what they do and try to figure out a backwards track to where you are today. So the hack is decide and move forward. Awesome. I actually have a notepad, I don't know if you can see it, Oh yeah, make a, dec- says, make <laughs> that's a decision. Awesome. <laughs> and it goes through what your dilemma is, hmm. what's the date, I'm not, I guess I can scan this to you later, what's your scenario, what's your gut feeling, yeah. and what's your worst case scenario, what's your best case scenario. And that's one of the tools that I use to just say, okay, you know what, blank it and just keep going. <laughs>
2: Awesome. Yes, this is a PG or G rated a PG. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So Wanna take on question number
1: two? Perfect. Right. All right. So here is our lightning round question number two. So do you have like a favorite app or software that you use for your business or just to keep you on track, like organization wise or anything like that?
0: App wise, no. But I do use OmniPlan, which is the Mac version of Microsoft Project Manager, that organizes all my projects, budgets, and sometimes my schedule as well. So that's the tool I use.
2: Sorry, what's it called?
0: OmniPlan.
2: OmniPlan. Okay, know people will add it to the show notes. Yep. Could yeah. can actually be interesting for us for our next project. We set. could use that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Question number three, final question: What is your favorite podcast of all times?
0: Currently, it's Bigger Pockets podcast. It's uh, an American-based podcast um, that speaks about real estate. And just like what we're talking about now, just get going, start some things, talk to people that are in the industry you want to be in and see what you can learn from them and see what you can do for them or do for someone in their community. But mostly it's real estate based that tells the story of many people's lives that start from worse than me and are doing Phenomenal things, whether it's making millions of dollars or doing the Miracle Mile, um, if you know what that is, um, things of that nature. Mm
2: -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, it's one of the podcasts that really got me to learn what I know about real estate. Although I will say, because we're in Canada, things are different when it comes to taxes and all the financial stuff. But it is the one thing podcast out of all the other podcasts that have really inspired me to keep going and, and know what I know today. Brandon Turner is amazing. I think Scott Trench is doing it now, right?
0: Scott I think Trench. they're co-hosting it, yeah.
2: Yeah, they're co-hosting. Yeah. And then they have a second one.
0: Bigger Pockets Money,
2: Money, exactly. yeah. <laughs> Just That's plugging for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. So, Brandon, where can people reach out to you?
0: Instagram or my email. I'll give my email. So, Brandon, stewardv.b. E W A R D, the letter V.com, Instagram at Josh Guscott, which is Josh, just how it sounds, and Guscott, G U S S C O T T.
2: What is that?
0: Thanks. Josh is my middle name, and Guscott is my mom's last name. So. Oh, okay,
2: because I was actually uh-huh. trying to find you on yeah. Instagram, and I was like, you have Instagram, I couldn't find you, but then it's a completely <laughs> new name. So I went
0: to um, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah, and that's my personal Instagram, and then uh, my business Instagram is Stuart Ventures Simpler how oh, it sounds steward and then ventures
1: awesome amazing
0: all right thanks for having me guys i appreciate it
1: thank yeah, you so thank much thank you brandon it was great having you
2: yeah absolutely great job keep the spirit the competitiveness the drive the grit i mean you are going to do big things you just you know, exactly. look, you'll look back at this 10 years from now and say wow i'm glad i started young
0: <laughs> thank you sarah
2: absolutely <laughs> all right take care thanks for being on your millennial lifestyle
0: all
2: right bye Bye. hey guys before you go i wanted to ask you a question what's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio i know for me before i started i had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid but as i started my journey these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained what was actually stopping me was having a proven actionable repeatable system i didn't have that and you know my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer if you want some more information about rise just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash r i -S s e to access more details and book your spot
0: Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.